Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Will you still be maybe working on how to pronounce Jehoshaphat's name? And you may succeed or you may not at that, and that's okay, as long as we learn some important lessons from his life today. And the problems you will face will likely be different than the problem he was facing, but how he handled that problem, and especially two of the things that he did as he went out to fight this battle, I think are essential things for us as we live our lives. Let's try to get more into Jehoshaphat here in 2 Chronicles 19 and 20. Now, hopefully you remember, we're kind of bouncing back and forth right now a lot between 1 and 2 Kings, although we're still really in 1 Kings, uh, we're kind of wrapping that up and transitioning to 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And, and, and some of it's familiar in the same Material. Well, remember, First and Second Kings uh, really covers um, both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, while First and Second Chronicles only is really focusing on the house of David in this time and the southern kingdom of Judah. And even if you uh, talked to somebody in the time of Christ about the Old Testament, these books were actually in different sections of the Old Testament, where first and second kings were actually in the prophets. And you might be like, this isn't Isaiah or Jeremiah. What is it doing in the prophets? Well, who have we been talking about a lot recently in first Kings? Yeah, that's right. Elijah, who even sometimes when they talk about Moses and Elijah, that's symbolizing the law and the prophets, uh, the greatest prophet, perhaps. So first and second Kings were, was in the prophets, while first and second Chronicles was in the writings. It was even the last book there in the Hebrew Old Testament, because it actually does start all the way going back to Adam and goes all the way till after the exile. But it's going to focus more on these southern kings, and that's why we get a lot more about Jehoshaphat in Chronicles than we do in Kings. But we see a little bit more. We hinted at yesterday how Jehoshaphat's association with Ahab was not a good thing, and we see that explicitly here today in chapter 19, where Jehu, this seer, which is kind of another word for prophet, goes out to meet him and says to him, should you help Help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord. And he's talking really about uh, the kings of Israel, which again, we'll see him associate with them towards the end of our reading today. And he says, because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asheroth out of the land, and you have set your heart to seek the Lord. And it seems like in response to this, Jehoshaphat goes out to seek the Lord even more, and he goes out among the people and seeks to bring them back to the Lord, and he appoints leaders to do all of these things so that they will follow the Lord. And he charges these leaders that they should... uh, This you shall do in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. And he gives them instruction on how to decide cases. But the overriding theme is, hey, you need to do this with the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. 
And then in chapter 20, we get to the problem. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Meunites, uh, they come against Jehoshaphat for battle. And it says it's a great multitude, and clearly this is a problem. And so how does Jehoshaphat lead? And there's two things that he does that I think will be very instructive for us. He goes into battle with prayer and with worship prayer and worship. Verse five, he instantly responds to this. Even in verse four, he assembles everyone to seek the Lord. And then in verses five and six, he begins his prayer and he goes before God and just remembers who God is. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. And so he remembers who God is. Then he remembers what God has done, how God drove out the people and gave them uh, the land. And then he reminds him of uh, even the promises uh, that they've built this temple saying, hey, if if something comes up and you cry out that, that God will hear and save. So he goes even in prayer. That's a good thing. Who God is, what God has done what God has promised. That is what he goes to. And he even appeals to God saying, hey, we didn't wipe out the Ammonites and the Moabites because you told us not to. And now they're coming to get us, right? And there's some sense in which he doesn't know. Like this is, uh, this is hard. He says in verse 12, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Uh, that is a great model for us. Are you in some uh, difficult situation? And again, it's probably not hordes of enemy armies coming against you today, but th there may be some situation that you, like him, feel like this is too much. Uh, I, I am powerless against this, this situation in my life. Well, you need to go and fight that battle with prayer and with worship and specifically with prayer. Uh, he gives you a great model. Start by reminding yourself of who God is, remind yourself of what God has done, and remind yourself of what God has promised, and then lay the problem out before the Lord. And, and even if, hey, God, I'm still not sure, but I, I'm lifting this up to you. That is a great model for us. Now let's see what happens from there as, as these Given this prayer, it says that all Judah, the little ones, the wives, and the children, they stand before the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on this one man, a Levite, in the midst of the assembly, and he says, listen, basically to everyone, and he gives the word of the Lord, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but gods, right? And you think of uh, all the times we, we do think about that the battle belongs to the Lord. That was true in this case, and that can be true in uh, just some of the battles you do face in your life, and that we are not to be afraid or dismayed if we really are trusting in God and going to Him in prayer. And, and then they rise up early in the morning and they go out towards these coming armies. And in verse 21, it says, and when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And that's an 
a kind of a refrain throughout the Psalms. I often give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And, and so he, he puts these worshipers, those that are appointed to sing in front of the army. So you see, how does Jehoshaphat fight this battle? Well, really through prayer and by worship. Uh, he leads with worship. And, and even that, 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 those are good thoughts for you to think in a situation where you say, I don't know what to do. I feel powerless. I need God's help. You worship God by being reminded, uh, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That there is no trial you are going to face where the, the steadfast love of the Lord will not be part of the equation. And that's an encouraging thing for us. And then the story ends with they come out and these armies actually had fought against each other. And all they have to do is show up and there's dead bodies lying on the ground and they take the spoil. So they don't even have to do any actual fighting. And it's an incredible end to the story there. And that's where we need to be careful. While whatever trial you may be facing, I do think that recipe of prayer and worship is essential. Go to God and pray and pray even based on what, who he is, what he has done and what he has promised and worship. Remind yourself, no, whatever happens, I will give thanks to the Lord and his steadfast love endures forever. Just know that does not always mean that your problem will disappear. Kind of like Jehoshaphat's did, that God steps in and just boom, takes care of the problem. You may see circumstances. I think that, that that is not uncommon for God to do still in ways today. Just do not think, well, if I, if I just pray and I worship, all of my problems will go away. That, that's not guaranteed. That is not what God has promised. But I don't think we will ever hurt ourselves. We will strengthen ourselves when we approach the problems in our life with prayer and with worship. Now let's move on to the New Testament portion of our reading today, where we are uh, looking at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 1 through 17. Just an incredible passage of scripture, beginning with the amazing words, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there we are reminded again of that idea, which Romans seven, there were a lot of more difficult issues to deal with in that passage, but we're reminded, don't miss the forest for the trees. Part of the point is the law itself cannot save you. The law itself even cannot sanctify you. And that's what it's coming back to here. God has done what the law could not do, both when it comes to our justification and when it comes to our sanctification. But we will fulfill the righteous requirement of the law ultimately by the Spirit. And that's where it gives us some clear instructions uh, when it comes to uh, our responsibility. What, what are we to do in sanctification? And, and it reminds us in verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
And there we're reminded as Christians, that's what our life should look like. We are putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit. And I think that just reminds us of a few things. I mean, death is a strong word. I think that should even get us the idea of the roots of sin. It's not just that we're, you know, uh, trimming up our sin to acceptable levels. No, we're really seeking to go in for the kill. And how do we do that? Well, by the spirit. And I think, what does that mean? And I would encourage you to think of the the armor of God and the sword of the spirit. That's the one offensive weapon listed there in the armor. And the sword of the spirit is what? The word of God, that we are to attack our sin with the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, I think there's a sense of dependence involved in that too, that we rely on the spirit. And one specific practical way we do that is by resting on his word. We put to death the deeds of the body through the spirit. And we do that, not saying, well, if I do this, I'll earn my salvation. No, we do it because as it goes on to say, we are the sons of God as we have his spirit. And we do not have a spirit of slavery, but we cry out, Abba, Father, as adopted sons. And we have confirmation and assurance even of our salvation. So Romans 8 starts to get us moving forward. Uh, It gives us more positive thoughts to think of. Hey, I've got the spirit. I have the father's love. I'm one of his adopted sons. And by the power of that spirit, God is now calling me to put to death the, the, the sins of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh. And that encourages us to do that. And so I hope that again helps us correct and not go too far off into Romans 7 and too deep into that or to begin to use that as an excuse. No, we can have a confidence that comes from being the sons of God and having the indwelling spirit of God. So I hope there's a lot there that encourages you today from Romans 8 and also from that example of Jehoshaphat and that you would fight your battles today with prayer and worship. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.